Hey there, how's it going? This is Bonnie Violet. I am a trans femme, genderqueer, spiritual drag artist, and digital chaplain. And in case you don't know where you are, you have found yourself on the Dragon Spirituality Podcast and in our special series uh, dedicated to our time at the Dragon Spirituality Summit that took place in Chicago in October of 2022. Um, The next few episodes will be panel discussions that we had with drag artists from across the United States, Canada, and beyond. And we wanted to, uh, we just wanted to share the audio with folks who are interested in drag and spirituality. So um, stay tuned and uh, listen up uh, and uh, bear with the sound. Um, My hope is that we'll work on it being great, but you know, you know how that goes sometimes. So um, we did our best to try to capture some sound for our first ever Dragon Spirituality Summit um, in the hopes of being able to upload it here on a podcast for folks who couldn't be there in person. Thank you and enjoy. I'm to invite um, Lesha Hartz, Coco Chanel, and Juan Pablo, and, and Nancy Lucas. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Drag as Spiritual Healing. My name is Lesha Hartz. I hail from Oakland, California, by way of Dallas, Texas, and I am so glad to be here in the Chai. Did I say that right? I've been practicing that for a long time. That was good. That's a Chai. Welcome to Chai Town. I'm so glad to be here with all of you. Uh, we want to extend a warm welcome to our attendees, those of you who are here in person, those of you who are viewing us virtually. We're so glad that you are here. Uh, following our panel, there will be a time for questions uh, for the panelists and comments. And for those of you who are joining us uh, online, please uh, type your questions in the chat at any point, and we will try to do our best to get to We encourage everyone uh, to participate uh, fully. Uh, as we get started, we do have a, a content, uh, bit of a content trigger warning. Uh, this panel may contain conversations uh, about religious trauma, emotional abuse, homophobia, and femphobia. Okay, so with those in the room, know that if at any point um, you're having feelings, feel free uh, to, to, to get up and, and move around or leave the room. Uh, one of our spiritual care chaplains, uh, John Red is open. Will you raise your hand? And oh, okay. Alan Al and Rebel are our spiritual care providers of this session. Gotcha. I didn't get that note. So um, just uh, reach out to her, and she will uh, companion you if you need a, a little help during this time. And also Rebel. Great. We wave to the group so everybody can see you. Thank you so much. So um, I did my makeup, most of it myself today. Um, oh, good job. Some of you may be wondering about those eyebrows, but I kind of had to do most of it by myself because my drag mother, well, you know, I'm from the South, and, and she said something like, you know, we just, it's time to push you out of the nest and see if you'll fly. Um, and so here I am, but I say that by way of taking just a moment to 
appreciate my drag mom, Bonnie Violet, who has worked on this, who's dreamed of this, who has planned for this day for a long time. So can we appreciate her for all her hard work in bringing this important event to the world. The first of its kind ever in the world, Drag and Spirituality Summit. So that said, I just have a bit of an introduction. So many folks, as you too may have experienced, regardless of our gender identity, regardless of how uh, our, our sexual orientation have experienced some trauma, which has led to internalized spiritual shame that is provoked by toxic theologies and cultural mores related to what I would say misunderstandings of gender. So for many of us who practice the art of drag, drag is a spiritual practice and can lead to not only spiritual healing, but liberation, liberation from shame, misogyny, and internalized homophobia, just to name a few. And so in this session, we invite our panelists who are, uh, hey, Nancy, what's up? Coco Chanel and our friend Paul Pablo uh, to share how drag has helped them find healing and liberation. So first, I would like to invite each of you just to give your best four minutes uh, about how you have experienced, how you practice driving, how you have experienced spiritual trauma, whatever you're comfortable in sharing just by way of introduction. Let's go first. I'll go. Um, so hi everyone, I'm Coco Chanel, you know, or spell phonetically so I don't get sued. And um, well, thing one for me is because I grew up in, um, on the South Side of Chicago originally. So uh, my mom is Baptist, my dad is Catholic. And I'm a Buddhist. Yeah, so that's fun in the household. <laughs> uh, but I came to Buddhism because uh, I didn't feel accepted or right in the Catholic Church because I went to Catholic school and um, I actually was um, sequestered to go to uh, for free college and high school because I, I scored very high in like the aptitude test. So. When I was like, going to high school and things like that, I didn't want to uh, go to a Catholic high school because I just didn't feel that was the right thing for me. <clears throat> so my parents never really like forced me to say, you have to believe in this. They were always like, find your path. Find out as long as you believe in something, that's all that we care about. Um, so I went on a major journey. I, I studied uh, like earthy religions more. So I was a solitary Wiccan for seven years. Uh, I went on a journey of like practicing Buddhists. I wanted to get more connected to uh, the earth and learning that they have their true history about that. Because that's something that people don't talk about. But the movies are like, oh, it's all the demonic stuff. No, it's actually more earth, connected to earth and healing. So people don't know about that. So do your research. Uh, but I, when I found uh, Buddhism, which was uh, June 5th, 2004, 6th cycle, number person. Um, I felt like that finally fit for me, and that kind of helped me open up a lot of things for myself, because I did do drag in um, 1999, that was the first time I did drag. I know, I don't look that old. I know. Not a stitch of makeup on. Um, <laughs> uh, but that was the first time I did drag, but I was still scared of it, because there was this stigma of, like, if you drag, there's a whole, you're less than. There was always this, this idea of like, okay, being gay is one step down, and then doing drag is another step down from being human. Um, and that's something that really bothered me. 
I, that's why I was always afraid to even do it or trying to do it. Uh, but like in like six by four, that was like the turning point for me. That I was like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. I can. If this makes me happy, then why don't I just try to do it and be happy? So I started doing drag and plays and musicals, and then um, I decided to uh, join up the nightlife scene and become um, Coco Chanel in um, 2009 officially. Um, and I just found so much peace and joy in becoming a drag entertainer and and connecting with people. It, it's, there's something about when you perform a song and you connect with people in the audience, it's it's like a different plane. And I, I tell people that all the time. It's like it's just it's such this amazing feeling that you connect with people and you just can really bring back emotions for people. Perfect example, I did a, a Studio 54 show and there was someone in the audience and they came up to me after the show and they said, I saw Sylvester for the first time at Studio 54 and you did a Sylvester song. You brought me back to the, one of the happiest moments in my life. And all of my friends, unfortunately, are gone. And you brought such joy to me from just doing that number. So I want to come back to that story in a little bit when we talk about how drag might help other folks yes. uh, encounter some spiritual healing. What well, would you like to yes. share a little bit about perhaps how you've experienced uh, spiritual trauma? Sure. Um, I came out at 17 years old. I came out at 17 years old. and. Um, and that was a bit of work. We were a very religious family. And so that started being a process of conversion therapy over and over again. Um, until about five years ago that I, I decided to walk in my authentic self. Um, there weren't very many people in the Latino community that I could look uh, towards. I didn't know any gay Christians, first of all. Uh, I still connected with the thoughts of Christianity and the practices and found Urban Village Church and that has been wonderful. Came up at 19, I dated a drag queen and worked at, I know, underage, but I worked at a, at a place that had drag shows here in the 80s, 10 years before you. <laughs> and, uh, but then our church had a, a, a drag worship, and Coco Chanel was the was there. Uh, also helped me find someone that wasn't Christian. We had Christian, non-Christian, um, different faiths, different beliefs, all together, and it made me realize that we're here together. It's a collective, and that drag is not an individual thing. It's a collective. Uh, art form for all of us and so yeah let's talk more about that too later hey nancy talk to us a little bit about uh, how you've experienced spiritual trauma in your performance of drag oh yes absolutely um first of all hi can you hear me oh am i need to give us a mic check again please Test one, two, three. My Instagram is she's up to no good. She's up to no good on Instagram. Test one, two, three. My Instagram is she's up to no good. She's up to no good on Instagram. Oh, I don't think I can hear you now. I think you're muted on my end. Oh, there you go. 
Okay, can you hear us, Nancy? Yes. I don't think I can hear you now. I think you're muted on my end. With a delay. Let's try now. I don't think I can hear you now. I think you're muted on my end. Oh, there you go. Okay, Nancy, let's see if we can hear you now. All right. Hello, everyone. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Um, Hi, my name is Nancy Nogood. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you to Bonnie and thank you to everyone a part of the summit to not only put this together, but to make it virtual. And I'm streaming from Brooklyn, New York, and I am so, so, so grateful to be here. Um, really quickly, uh, you know, I grew up in the American South as well in a very strict Roman Catholic family. Um, and for me, it was a situation where, um, you know, I grew up in South Carolina and 3% of the population in South Carolina is Catholic. It's like smack in the middle of the Bible belt. So everyone else is Protestant. And so I grew up in a very tight knit community and um, that provided a very strong sense of community. Right. But um, you know, as I got older and I realized that I was a queer person and that that's where my life was headed. Um, I, you know, I felt like that there was two polarizing parts of me, right? My Catholic identity and my uh, my identity as a queer person. And I actually, I wanted to um, become a priest from as young as I was like eight. And so I was like in it. I was in it to be a part of the, I was studying church doctrine at a young age. I was like in it to be Catholic. It was a whole thing. And um, it's just funny thinking about it now <laughs> uh, because my life has changed so much since I realized that if I didn't live my life as a queer person and I didn't, um, you know, live as fully and as authentically as I could, then, you know, I, I just wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a full whole person, you know, I would be such a shell of a person. And so, um, you know, I came out and I lost a lot of that community, that Catholic community. And that was so, um, that was so, I knew it would happen, but I didn't realize how much of it would happen. And so that was the religious trauma for me was just being kind of severed from this community that I thought was there for me. Um, and drag and coming into drag, finding the community through drag, um, finding such soul fulfillment through it. And not only that, but we'll talk later, but reaching out to other people and connecting to other people creating that community, that's what helped me survive and, and thrive um, uh, through my trauma. And looking back on it now, especially, I, I think, you know, I still feel myself to be a spiritual person, but um, she's on a journey. We're, we're seeing what, what organized religion looks like, if that, and, but I know that I am still a spiritual person because, because of my work in drag, it, it really shows to me that drag is a spiritual um just thing for me to be a part of. So, um, yeah, I'm just about to hit seven years and I absolutely love it. So 
bunch of rat dragons. There's some clap jerk, clap, clap jerk, is that a word? There's some clapping, uh, some appreciation of what you said, and we had a little trouble here in our case. I'm going to put the fact that you said you were upsetting you. Just by way of uh, explaining why I'm on this panel, uh, Ronnie has a meeting to kind of serve as a moderator. Um, for me as a gay kid, the feminine self side of myself was very visible, and I've seen games. And the side of condemnation for me was the church. And I grew up with that shame my entire life. And surviving drag is a way to emancipate myself from that to when I would I used to say to let her come out. A little bit, but, but what I'm discovering more and more is, is the closer that I and she become, the more humble that I am. And for me, that is very spiritual. And so to Daisy's point about that entirely spiritual, I just want to push this back to each one of you. And we'll start with Daisy. Uh, you said you, you, your intention was to be a priest. Um, I want Do you view yourself um, as a priest of sorts now? And how is drag uh, spiritual practice? for you or is it you know we're, we're familiar with meditation and prayer and other forms of meditation is drag a spiritual practice uh, for you nancy let's start with you you know that's the funniest thing is is that for me you're in the house hang on a second nancy oh of course that's the funniest thing is that for me awesome um so for me, uh, that's the funniest thing about about um, just this whole thing about being in drag is that um, for I think about it like, you know, I'm not necessarily a quote unquote priest by, you know, conventional standards, but I wear, I have a brunch gig every single Sunday and I wear really fabulous outfits and I stand in front of a crowd of people every single Sunday and they, you know, I, I know many of my queer friends who come to that show and they're like, that's church for me. And that's like such a, there's such a fellowship to that. And there's such a community to that, that I, I really try not to um, take for granted. And I try to really hold on to as much as I possibly can. So in that respect, I think it's wonderful. Um, and I think there is kind of, there is a, a, a priest-like quality to what I do. Um on that note, as a spiritual practice, I agree, it's incredibly meditative, right? I mean, you're spending at minimum an hour in a chair putting a face on, and there's something so meditative to that. And I love talking to other drag performers and asking, you know, when do you, what part of the whole getting ready do you feel yourself um, kind of fall into that drag character? And there's something kind of spiritual about releasing into that and so it's it's always interesting to talk to other drag performers and see how that affects them and where that hits um yeah i, I think those are the most spiritual parts of what i do and and um that that meditative part and and absolutely that um that that community and that fellowship Uh, for me, it, it's it's all about connectivity, and um, like I said before, it was like there was when I formed that I was feeling a point on a different plane, a different level, and connected to people in a, in a such spiritual kind of like way through song and through music and sometimes through comedy too. It's 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 a way that um, I can just help people have a good time, you know, get rid of that those you know nine to five. 
Monday to Friday, or personal or, or you know issues that they may have right now. Let's just have this moment together in time. And let's just not think about that. Let's just think about this moment in time and enjoy it. And that's something I love to be able to bring to people. Well, Paula, you talked about working uh, in the bars as an <clears throat> underage person. So you've been around drag a lot. Uh, is drag for you a spiritual thing like Nancy was talking about? Um, where we come to church. Um, during my time of going, I, I, I went away from drag for a long, over 30 years while I was going through uh, all of the spiritual trauma I went through. Um, for me, because drag is neither here nor, nor there, it's neither feminine or masculine, it travels in between, and that, and that to me is spiritual. So anything that, that is in, in between the spaces, drag allows us again because it's collective for us to be together, for us to be powerful take back the power from those things that have uh, told us that we're no good, that we're not included, that we're not loved. Drag, well, the performance is going on. They are on the stage of life and we're on, on the stage with them. And so for me, uh, that helps take me to another level uh, of, of life and at that moment in something inside me and, and not only me but for other people uh, when you're laughing together when um, you're snapping your fingers giving a dollar or two uh, those things are spiritual those things are like church those things are church it feels like black worship in a sense and yeah. talking about it how we are encountering the divine in those in-between spaces and that's also giving permission as I want us to talk about it in a minute, for the folks in the room to experience that as well. One of the questions I, I would like to consider is kind of a, a cyclical question. Does, does drag, how does drag influence your spirituality? And does your spirituality influence your drag? Let's think about that for a moment. Hmm. Does your spirituality uh, influence your drag? And how does drag influence your spirituality? Um, well, I'll, I'll say, it, it, for me, it, it affects it in a way of how I uh, want to present myself. And the reason I say that is, is how I present myself in everyday life, outside of drag as well. Uh, because my thing is, I'm still a person, and um, I'm still, like, I'm an artist, but I'm also, like, I'm also still got to do the normal things, I'm like, got to pay bills, got to go to work. <laughs> like these things, so that, but it, but drag helps me to be more confident uh, because I was a very quiet child. I didn't really talk a lot, I didn't speak a lot. And I would say drag has helped me to come out of my, my shell and be my true authentic self in and out of drag. And the spirituality moment has helped me to be able to connect with people. And I've always wanted to help people. That's how I started drag initially, like why I created Pogos, because I, started this um the show with Ashley Morgan and Paul um doing charity shows and over my time there over 10 years um we raised over ten thousand dollars for different LGBTQ organizations and I'm happy that I was able to do that because as an actor and performer and artist I was like I don't know how to get back what do I do 
And that was a way that I could utilize my drag and also like do something different that's like, you don't have to always do the Beyonce. You don't always don't have to do this. You can do something that's different and really connect with people and help people. And that's something I absolutely love to do. What about you, Nancy? Um, it, <laughs> so for me, I think uh, drag influences my spirituality because drag has helped me become, it's similar to Coco, drag has helped me become such a confident person in who I am. Drag has helped me um, understand and realize my identity as a gender fluid person um, and, and really and really understand the fullness and wholeness of myself. And I think um, understanding the fullness and wholeness of oneself includes embracing the spiritual part of us. And I think that there is a, a, a very like, there is a sense of, of joy and confidence I have in myself. That's like, you know, soul level. Right. And I, I get that. And I feel that because of drag and I feel that because of, being able to create what I want to create and 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 be the person I want to be and show people that they can also be the person that they want to be. Um, I think my spirituality has influenced my drag because my spirituality, as a spiritual person, I I always try to be humble which is very funny for a drag queen but i not not to be a humble person but i think that there's a sense of humility because that i try to keep um as drag or as humans i think there's a sense of humility just across the board because we, you know when it comes down to it we're all human beings on this spinning rock forever so thinking about the humility of it all and how as a drag artist i am a face for my community and I mean, very similar to what Coco was saying about raising money for, for those in need. I mean, I think that knowing that I'm a face for my community and I need to help my community and, and have that as in, in a, with a sense of humility, I think is important. And, and, and that's definitely influenced by my spirituality. A very um, priest-like. Um, Thank you. Yes, I did. Um, you can't cover up ugly with makeup. Right? When I see Coco out at the bars where she's not performing and just walking through the crowd, something inside of her uh, exudes. And again, that's beyond the makeup. You can tell that there's uh, work that has been done in her. and even if she's not humble and she comes out and is uh, fabulous, the look that she gives to the others and to us, we then feel fabulous, lifts us up into another place. And someone that does not uh, have spiritual practices that they that they do uh, doesn't have And uh, in, in my day-to-day -day life, I'm an ordained pastor in the United Church of Christ. That those tasks, those are my job. Those are the the things that I'm supposed to do. Drag queens, drag performers, drag kings, they are the, the priests and priestesses of our community in, in ways because because so many of us haven't had access to those folks. 
otherwise. So, and I say as a, as a pastor, I have my words that I use, and sometimes the way I, I, I'm on at the pulpit. But you can use your body, your voice, there's so much your whole being. Um, and for me as a Christian, that embodies a trinity, that embodies a three in one. And that is something I can't do as a pastor that a drag queen absolutely embodies. Or maybe we just need more drag queens in our churches. Oh, hey, there it is. So I just want to remind the folks joining online, please, if you have questions or comments, please type those in uh, so that we can see them and respond to them. Um, also, it sounds like we, we got, we, uh, Bonnie Violet mentioned we were going to have some growing pains. It sounds like our AB team has worked through some of those. Could we appreciate our AB team? Yes, give it Our folks can join this uh, summit virtually. Um, so we talked already about how you individually have experienced some liberation from this spiritual trauma that has been inflicted, uh, I guess, unanimously uh, among each, each one of us. Um, and we talked a little bit about the permission that what we do gives to others. Could we talk a little bit together about how the practice of drag, actually as a spiritual practice, um, you talk about how it really has helped emancipate or liberate you as a spiritual person, and more specifically, your understanding of your vocation ministry as a drag queen and how that is healing the folks in the room. I can, I can go for a couple to this. Um, now I'm going to get real Latino here. Okay. There's a, I love mole. It's this thing that goes over chicken. It's a, it's a sauce, but it has like a thousand ingredients in it. To me, when you are at a drag show, it's like every it's like a storytelling event. The song is a story. The people listening are part of this story. Each of them bringing an ingredient into this mole, into this pot, um, and that is why I think that it becomes such a spiritual act for everyone around us. Because you never know what that person is feeling. I might be down that day. You play that song, but again, because your 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 spirit is exuding to the to the people that are watching. We are creating together the best moment, and it, the ingredients change every time. They might be a dark chocolate instead of a milk chocolate, but the mole is still delicious. Mole is still delicious. How about that as a tagline for me? I need that for a t-shirt right there. <laughs> mole is still delicious. Nancy, you got a response to this? Uh, yes. Um, so you asked that question, I think of two things, um, uh, or two, th two specific moments. One is, um, so I've, I've, in my work as a drag artist and as a theater maker, I've written a, um, originally it was supposed to be a one woman drag show and it's turned into, you know, like all drag things, it just keeps growing. And it's a, it's a small drag musical that I've written that is, a, that, um, uses a lot of my memories of growing up with religious trauma and that sever of community. Um, anyway, so I have written this show and I've performed it twice now um, in Detroit and in New York. And um, 
when I performed it both times, I've changed the ending a little bit both times because I'm not satisfied with it. And when I've done this show, um, both times people have come out of the woodwork in the audience and have come to me and, and, and so many people have been like, I was raised Catholic and, and, you know, this is my experience and to share in what their community, what their experience was and to, to hear their own story. It's helped me figure out what the ending of my show looks like in a fun way. And so that, that, um, that idea of coming together with community, it's so, um, it's just so absolutely important to me. And I, and I think that's been such a big part. Um, Oh no, I'm trying to remember the second thing. I'm going to pass it to Coco. And when I remember, I will say something. (laughs) No, uh, so I just kind of want to go back to a moment where it was like, for me, it it was about connecting with people and also giving joy to them. So when I was doing the Studio 54 show, this, this gentleman came up to me and lived after the show and said, hey, you just brought such good memories of my friends and the times that we had together. And it was in that moment I knew that I could touch people in a way that Raymond, my boy name, couldn't. I was like, oh, I have something special now. I can I can reach the people that, that give them such joy, such energy that I couldn't, I didn't know I, I could do before or didn't know how to do before. And uh, that's what I try to do with every like number that I pick. I try to plan out like how can I make this as memorable and effective to people? And how can I make it a truly enjoyable experience that they will come back and be like, wow, that was so much fun. I didn't think about my job. I didn't think about, you know, my parents being sick. I didn't think about all the things that are like weighing me down. I just enjoyed that moment in time. And I think we need a lot more of that. That's absolutely right. I appreciate many of the things about a traditional worship service, um, many of the ancient practices, many of the things that gives meaning. And as a faith leader, wow, I wish the energy in the room could be like after a drag show. The healing in the room could be like after a drag show. The way we engage our bodies in physical ways, not just the performers, but people in the audience, and we're singing together, and we're so joyful. Those are the kinds of things that I wish that the, the church could figure out. Um, and again, maybe more drag, drag queens behind the pulpit. Another thing I'm thinking is walking around in the Castro, I don't know if this is your experience in my, in my everyday self, there's a lot, not a lot of eye contact and I've, I've got a theory that, especially among the younger generation, I happen to be in the older generation, that there's like, a, oh, well, if I look at you, then I'm, that means I'm interested or whatever. And so there's this, like, we look down and we're in our phones, not paying attention to each other. When I walk out on the, in the Castro like this, everybody's looking and when it just, I don't even have to speak to people, but people smile and I smile back at them. Just that simple spiritual practice of seeing someone and being seen is liberative. So... Any of you others want to share experiences from your own practice of drag where you've experienced liberation yourself or in, 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 in the crowd? Nancy? Um, yes. So this is actually, this, is, this makes more sense with this question. I was going to say it earlier. So during the pandemic, um, when everything was on Zoom, um, I was asked to be a part of or to attend a, uh, a mass for a reformed Catholic church. Um, and it was a, a very new experience for me. I had never 
long story short, there's a lot of different rights of the Catholic Church, but the biggest one is the Roman Catholic right, for anyone who isn't familiar, and that's like what you traditionally know as Catholic. And I didn't um, know about other rights or these kind of reformed churches that have women priests around the country. And um, anyway, so I was asked to attend one um, during Pride Month in 2020, and um, I attended it and I was very excited and leading up to it, my friend who was setting a help setting it up, asked me to read the gospel in full drag. And I, um, I said yes. And I did. And I was, I mean, I like was trying to keep it together. And then like after the mass, I was just like sobbing because <laughs> it was just such a unexpectedly healing experience for me and to, to in in some ways it felt just like I was performing a drag number right because I was I was I was in front of a group of people and I was um I mean over zoom but I was in front of a group of people and I was um proclaiming joy and and good and and good energy you know and and so many things that can come out of a gospel reading and so um, but then in, in this turn, it was a gospel reading and it was such a like radical experience that I had never had before. And I always think back to that um, and to that that church that um, welcomed me in and what you were saying. I was like, th- there needs to be more of this and more of more churches that are so open and accepting to um, what joy and what kind of soul fulfillment drag can bring to people and and it was just outrageously wonderful <laughs> there nancy um uh, thank you for sharing the the depth of that personal experience and i wonder how many of us in the room watched drag during the pandemic and how drag queens kept many of us going i mean present to us so thank you nancy for the ways that you showed up and the others of you showed up. And this has made me think of a question I think that Nancy suggested that we talk about today. Um, Why? Why are people in our culture, many people in our culture, afraid of drag, of this thing that we're doing, particularly religious people? Why are people afraid of this? I'm going to go into this aspect. So um, I think why people are afraid is because they don't know fully what it is to be a drag queen or know a drag queen. And there's this whole thing of like, if people fear it, then they're like, oh my God, I'm getting away from it. And unfortunately, that's that's our society of how we, if we, if we don't know something, we fear it. And I think that's why I love doing a drag queen story hour, because it brings a lot of kids to meet drag queens and we read stories. And when I do it, we do like little games and there's songs and we're dancing. And it's, it's breaking that bridge of, I was never exposed to this. So now you are exposed to it and you, you shouldn't be afraid of it because they're just like you. They just have different makeup on. That's it. And that's what I love about that. And if we do that a lot more, especially at a young age, because it, when we're young, we're sponges. We're absorbing everything. We want to know everything. It's like the knowledge that we're just we're, we're seeking it. And as we get older, sometimes we're not as sponge-like, but that's what I, I think we need to do more of. Like, let's, let's encourage people to, to meet different walks of life. 
so that way they are more of a rounded individual and then they can continue to share their knowledge with others and it just becomes like a snowball effect the more that you know the more you'll share the more you share the more you'll tell Nancy, one public dark thing. respond, why are people afraid of dragons? Especially the religious people giving some terrorists to me. What's in this room? Um, why are people afraid of drag? I mean, it's that fear. I couldn't agree more with Coco and that end. It is, it is truly, um, a fear that they have and, and a fear because of a preconceived notion because of, um, they don't know any better. Like I, I've, I've said this before to people when I, when I grew up in religion, um, and you know, I didn't, I didn't have the words that I was a queer person, not only because, you know, it was maybe a different time and the language wasn't there yet, but because in religion, I didn't know, I knew shame, I knew sin, I didn't know queer, you know? And so they, I think people are missing the, the opportunities and people, and that's why we have things like drag queen story hour. People need to, to need to see it's isn't it like there's an irony to it right that you're you know i feel like such a a religious you know or very at least christian kind of ideology is like don't judge a book by its cover and know the person for who they are and like but you don't do that to drag performers right you don't do that to queer people you're just you're just going off what you see on what a news station wants to show you about a pride parade you're not even at the pride parade i feel like there's just there's such a surface level like I'm going to brush this off that happens with, with people and, and it creates anger and hatred. And I think a lot of that stems out of, yeah, fear ultimately. Yeah. Well, Pablo, um, for me, when the drag queen manifests or represents all these isms or things that people have like homophobia, transphobia, um, uh, misogyny is all represented in one spot. Then Christians then use the fear, all of those fears, and find something that attaches it, because the Bible can tell you anything you want it to tell you. And so in the Bible, they find that it tells them that to make the, the circle smaller, because it says it in, Paul said that once, turn it back. Uh, uh, they, they get angry because they're feeling that phobia inside of them and don't know how to figure it out. And again, that is why it is good to take children. Then children will not have that fear when they see a drag queen, a drag queen that manifests uh, the divine, like we manifest the divine as well. Yes. I, I, I wonder what would have happened in my life if the, the little gay me had been welcomed, not just in society around me, but in my church. How would that, because that we get that such power over our lives, how would that have changed our lives? Uh, and I, I practice the Christian faith and in the Christian tradition, Jesus says something to the effect of whoever welcomes the least of these, the, the, the children welcomes me. And, and if our churches practice, and I say this to any religious folks, uh, faith leaders who may be listening to this, we welcome welcome the drag queen, not that they're the least, they are some of the fiercest and most fabulous among us, but if we welcome them, what would that say to our children? That's why we need drag queen story hour, drag performer story hour. That's why we need 
those folks behind our pulpits because that freedom that we're expressing is is manifesting out. Um, so thanks for such thoughtful responses. Um, I don't see questions in the chat. I want to shout out to Pan and Siri. Uh, Siri says they love this and we love you. Um, I thought I would ask if anyone in the audience here has a question. There's a podium, a mic set up right over there. If you have a question or a comment that you'd like to, to share with us, we would love to hear from you. All right, come on up. Just a second. Someone coming here to help you to your left. There we go. Hi, everybody. My name is Octavio, and Octavio. I'm a performance artist, healer, and part time witch. And I'm very, very, um, I'm very excited about this conversation on so many levels. I can't even, I can't even begin to speak about it because what I believe is happening with like that fear is the commercialization of drag in the last, you know, I want to say 10 years and God bless RuPaul and what she's done for the movement, but that idea of competition and uh, that nature of like, it's become drag as a sport that's kind of driven it into a, like, I don't know, that's where I feel there's like this confusion about what drag is and I've never and I as a performer and working with drag performers my whole life I I don't know if this is the standard procedure of dragdom or if is this the, is this is it always spiritual uh, where are the entry points how do we I mean the mothers are they all coming from the drag mothers are they all coming from this spiritual space is this just a subsect of the subsect I mean it's very very confusing and exciting, and um, as representatives of freedom, as, as you said, the drag is freedom, and and uh, that's just a whole new opening for me. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. Um, thank you. Thank you, Octavio. Yeah, that I think what what drag I, I think drag has taught us is we can do what we want. We can learn to express ourselves as we want in new ways. And so RuPaul found a path. Bonnie Violet has found a path to kind of bring it back to out of competition, but into, let's talk about the spirituality of this. I have seen drag queens in communities, and I bet you have too, and feel free to share, pivot from this. I've seen how drag queens take care of the community, how after the show, they're present in and out of makeup with the community holding space. So it is, it is spiritual, and there are, I think, main paths. What what responses to what Octavio has said do do uh, do y'all have? Nancy, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Um, yes. Yeah, so, in my experience, I'm interested to hear Coco's as well. In my experience with drag, um, I feel like, and 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 also coming from the south too, where you know when I first started seeing drag shows and kind of like the pre-drag race era, it was only pageant drag, right? And that was like, that's what you saw. And I, that's still such a large portion and that's still, you know, something to be revered. Um, but I feel like if you wanted to find any sort of like doors open for you as a drag performer for such a long time, the only route you could go is competition and going into a pageant or entering that cycle or however. And so it 
in that sense, to me, it makes sense why Drag Race is so successful in the mainstream because it went that route in a, in a way um, with competition. Um, but one of the good things about it is that it has, that has opened the door for so much more for drag. And so um, I guess it, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this. And I'm so grateful for, for drag performers like Bonnie who are able to, who see that there is this need to, to, um, there are other drag performers that want to make spirituality part of the forefront of, that other people need to see. And, and, you know, Bonnie was the one who like, let's make this happen. Let's put this together. And, and I think we're going to see more of that. I think we will. And in other avenues and in other ways. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just try to keep hopeful. I think our, I mean, I think our, corrupt capitalist society makes competition at the top. But, um, you know, outside of that, I'm excited to see what, what, um, what happens now that the, the, the floodgates can be open, so to speak. In everyone's social this. So to me, drag is art and art is ever changing. And with that is also, there's a freedom there. So that's something that I think that we're starting to see more of. That it was always there, but it was just always like underground. And now that we have, I, it's a double-edged sword with what you're calling. I've always talked about this. So it's like, I'm grateful that um, drags are more exposed to people that are in smaller towns and that they never got experiences, but also it, it, it highlights a, only a certain demographic of drag. And I, started drag with like drag kings and like the weird out of the box drag like you know doing things where you come in there with your face smack that's the word they call it skag drag as some people may know uh so and i, I love that drag but i i dabble in all of that i'm, I'm also a spooky queen this is my season spooky season yeah. so <laughs> i was the baby first i was like should i come and i was like no that's okay but, <laughs> uh, but i love like different types of drag is that like it inspires me when I see something like someone living their best life, like, oh my God, I'd love to do this one, I'd love to do that. That inspires me to be like, oh, they did something really cool. There's one um, person, uh, person, I just met them last week, Scalia. They did this look where they actually opened their head and they have this brain exposed aspect. It was the coolest thing I have ever seen. And I was like, how do I do that? And that's something as as artist myself is like I'm always trying to better myself each time I'm on stage and and be better than the previous time. And I wish that we could see more of that in mainstream because there is a lot of pageantry. Pageantry, <laughs> but uh, I think that utilizing that that was the the way to break through the wall for the mainstream world. Now let's show them everything that a drag artist could do. Yes, yes, yes. So we have a question from the audience. We're going to wrap it up, but we want to respond to this one last question. Um, Pan asks, uh, are there any insights from different religious traditions? And let's focus on the second part of this. Coco, if you have particular experiences as a BIPOC person and that intersection added into your interactions, any observations about that? Yes. Um, so your practice of Buddhism, maybe you oh, can wrap that into. Yeah, um, so uh, I've been studying Buddhism since 2004, and um, it was it's it's hard to be a black entertainer and say that I'm an openly gay Buddhist 
because a lot of people assume that you are Baptist because you're black. And um, I say, well, there's there are other people like me out there. Um, so, and the thing that, that's hard for me is uh, talking to other black folk, which is something that people don't talk about. Talking to other black folk about you practicing something different than what the norm is, uh, is challenging because there's an off-put feeling that of like, oh, you're not like me, so I don't know how to relate to you. As opposed to having a conversation and saying, hey, oh, so you practice Buddhism? Okay, so how is that different from baptism? How is that different from Catholicism? How it, and how is it similar? Because there are a lot more similarities than there are differences. And, uh, and I just find that sometimes we just have to take the time out to listen to each other. Because that's what I think that that's what's missing in our society is meeting someone that's different from you and listening to their journey and listening to their their way of getting to where they got to. I think we need to listen more because we have two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you speak. Right. I think that is a perfect place to wrap up this conversation. Hi there, this is Bonnie Violet again. Thanks so much. We hope, really hope you enjoyed our panel discussion or the plenary or whatever part of the Dragon Spirituality Summit you just uh, listened to. We wanted to give a big shout out to a queer chaplain um, for um, hosting this event along with the Urban Village Church in Chicago. You can check out the links in the description to connect with each of those orgs um, and learn more about their work. Um, also, to continue to support the work of the Dragon Spirituality Podcast, um, feel free to also check out our Patreon, where you could contribute on a monthly basis to help support the work of this podcast, along with all the productions from A Queer Chaplain. Uh, thanks so much, and like I said, check out those links, and uh, show us some love, and uh, let us know what you think. Like, what do you enjoy? What What did you enjoy? Yeah. <laughs> What would you like to hear more of? Um, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear from you and work in designing next year's Dragon Spirituality Summit 2023 to take place in San Francisco, California. Take care and be well. Bye-bye. <laughs>